Warning, the following podcast found a lot more than seven words you can't say on television. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by Stamps.com, Bombfell, Policy Genius, and by our Eli Bosnick in Five Words or Less contest. Today's winner is at the writer's beard, who had St. Jude's Benjamin Button. <laughs> it is like he's aging towards sick baby somehow. Please keep tweeting us your best five words or less about Eli using the hashtag Bosnick Scathe, and you could be the next winner. And now, the Scathing Atheist. Hey you, it's us, the monsters under your bed. I'm John. And I'm Logan. And we're the hosts of the Wayward Willis podcast. Looking at Logan, I can tell you that we did, in fact, evolve from filthy monkey men. My dad's still a monkey. It's August 31st. And Ken Ham built his boat in the wrong fucking state. I'll say, I'm no illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. New York, New York. Secret Lair, Pennsylvania. This is the Skating Atheist. On this week's episode, Trump voters and Christians survive another week in the Orwellian hellscape that is America. With the POTUS on the fence... Kids in Georgia use beer pong to decide if the Axis was the good guys or the bad guys. And we'll once again pick at the perpetual scab that is the Book of Mormon. First, the diatribe. It always struck me as strange that religion makes itself most conspicuous just when its foundational precept is at its weakest. Like, for example, when there's a terrible fucking hurricane in Texas. And to all our listeners that have been affected by this disaster, I apologize for using your misery to make a rhetorical point, but it kind of has to be said, because let's face it, religion sure as hell isn't going to make any apologies for using a natural disaster to fill up them pews. Now, I should be fair and point out that there are plenty of religious groups doing good work in Southeast Texas right now, and plenty of atheist groups are too. Incidentally, if you're looking to donate and want to make sure that none of your charity dollars are going to go to buy emergency disaster Bibles, the Foundation Beyond Belief has a fundraiser set up. We'll have it linked on the show notes and on our social media. So, yeah, some religious groups are already out there handing out water and working in emergency shelters and generally doing that community organizing shit that they use to justify their tax breaks. And that's great. Not as efficient as it is when you leave that shit to a coordinated central authority funded by tax revenue, but it's still good shit. And the people doing that work and coordinating the work should be commended. But that's the people, right? The institution of religion deserves zero credit unless they're doing something that the secular groups aren't doing or couldn't do. You know, if, if my dart league decides to raise money for disaster relief, that doesn't say anything positive about darts. And yet, at the same time, religion as an institution is going to do plenty of bad through this thing. All you need to do is see one fucking person who rode out the storm because they were confident that Jesus was going to see them through it to know where the blame rightfully belongs, right? And, and if you need something a little more ubiquitous, albeit a little less damaging, you need to look no further than the thoughts and prayers being offered up by people who think they've then done something. And what about the psychological damage wrapped up in religion's whole narrative here? 
I mean, this is supposed to be religion's time to shine, right? Apologists are always offering it up as one of the merits of religion, the way it helps people cope with disaster. But how the fuck is it supposed to help if you think that some omnipotent guy ignored the no catastrophic hurricane setting on the Gulf Coast? How does that impact your psyche to think that God could have prevented this but didn't? And and when you're trying to answer that question, don't think about some well-rounded apologist with a working knowledge of the Kalam cosmological argument trying to say that low-pressure systems are caused by man's sinful nature. Think about a nine-year-old kid waiting for hours in the pouring rain on a rooftop wondering if grandma's going to die. And, and, and when this indoctrinated kid asks, hey, why did God flood our city and kill all those people? What are the religious leaders going to tell him? I mean, if they're lucky, they'll get a preacher that mumbles something about mysterious ways or needing more angels and tries to change the subject. But this is fucking Texas. The answer they get is at least as likely to be too many lesbians in them Disney cartoons. I mean, that is the entire biblical narrative, isn't it? God punishing people for their lack of religiosity with natural disasters. Any Abrahamic leader trying to sell a story different than that one has an uphill climb to begin with. But even if we sidestep all the assholes are talking about too many abortions and lesbian mayors, what will these leaders tell their distraught refugees? I mean, I'm sure there'll be some random platitudes about open windows and closed doors and shit. But by and large, their advice is going to be be my religion better. Right. It's going to involve rededicating their lives to Christ, trusting in the Lord, going back to church, being more emotionally dependent on their religious narrative. And sure, they'll raise some money for the victims of this thing, but they're also going to take some money from them. And I'm not just talking about the ties they're going to get from their swollen attendance. I'm talking about disaster relief. You know, I'd love to live in a world where it would be just silly to suggest that tax money is going to go towards rebuilding untaxed churches and shit. But we already saw this when Sandy struck. A public outcry over withholding federal relief money from religious institutions led to a change in the goddamn law that time. And some tells me Texas isn't going to err further on the side of liberalism than New York did. And by the way, there's nothing in the current makeup of the Supreme Court to hang your church-state separation hopes on. So I'd say it's all but guaranteed that our federal dollars are going to go towards refurbishing churches and religious schools while homes still need rebuilt. Meanwhile, what's religion going to get out of this? Well, Joel Osteen notwithstanding, they're mostly going to get good PR. You know, the guys who sell God could have stopped this and didn't are going to get lavished with praise in the media for every candlelight vigil or paint by the numbers disaster sermon. Somebody's going to be reunited with their dog or something. And people will call that a miracle even before the stench of the dead humans clears. Somebody will find a miraculously unscathed Bible or a picture of Jesus that'll get passed around social media with comments other than so Jesus destroyed their home but made sure his favorite selfie didn't get wet. Look, the entire concept of religion basically starts with shit like this, right? Ancient people get hit with this crazy bad flood that's way worse than anything in living memory, and they want to know why. And back in the day, yeah, sure, God's pissed at us for not being nicer to each other. Give people an answer, let them carry on with their lives with some reason to believe that that shit ain't going to happen again next year. Back before science, it was justifiable, even necessary, to make up a God and offer up some explanation for what just happened. But now we actually know the answer, and that makes it both dishonest and dangerous to keep giving people the old one. And until preachers start responding to why did this happen with wind spiraling down towards a low-pressure system created by the latent heat of condensation, I'll withhold my adoration when they manage to say, boy, was this really sad in a somber voice. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are the Captain and Tennille of the USS Godless, Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick. Fellas, are you ready to set sail on an ocean of stupidity? Okay, well, I'm the girl, and I'm ready for some muskrat love. Does that answer the... 
What was the question? What, what did you say? What did you say? Is this an alcohol that we are? I'm the skipper. I'm the... Well, obviously, Heath and I have some important muskrat logistics to work out. So we're okay. going to pause for a quick word from this week's sponsor, Stamps.com. Hi, I'm No Illusions of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm Entertainment, which means I produce podcasts half the time and insulate Eli from the repercussions of his actions the rest of the time. And that's why I deserve Stamps.com. Other folks can settle for the inconvenience of the post office, but while they're still looking for parking, I'll be printing official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, or any class of mail from home. Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to my fingertips. And as a business owner, how is your time better spent? Going to the post office or growing your business by bringing a stack of unmarked $100 bills to a crossroads in northern New Jersey? No questions asked. Just that one time. I, I still don't see how that counts as growing the business. And since you paid them, you never have to see. Stamps.com makes it easy. They send you a digital scale that automatically calculates exact postage. Stamps.com will even help you decide the best class of mail based on your needs. I use Stamps.com because I've been to a post office before and I'd rather die than go back. And right now, you too can enjoy the Stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without long-term commitments. And you don't even have to go to a shady abandoned industrial park at 4 a.m. and watch three high school dropouts try to count to 18,000 while holding you at gunpoint. All you have to do is go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in scathing. That's Stamps.com, enter scathing. They should make stamps.com for blackmail slash ransom. Or, or you could just treat alpacas with more respect. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Is that their slogan? Or are you just warning me because of that time I went dressed as a sexy taco? It can be both. <laughs> Caliento. Baliflente. <laughs> and now, back to the headlines. In our lead story tonight, the nation of India saw deadly protests over the weekend after God was convicted of raping somebody. Actually, two people. As See, out. this is how you end up without a savior. Prudes. <laughs> <laughs> and also, that skill saw blade that Vishnu carries around is starting to make a lot more sense Well, well this, was a, this was a different God. Um, this one is some dude called uh, Gurmeet Ram Rahim Singh, also occasionally calls himself God, obviously, and since he's convinced enough people of the latter, they're willing to burn train stations down, apparently, when he looks like he's uh, looking at a couple of decades of jail time. Yeah, and I think it's pretty obvious that the root of the problem is all the deity politics on oh, campuses. Deity. <laughs> all wives matter. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you're Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva? Is it they or <laughs> Jay? What? <laughs> Your pronouns are causing riots. Clearly. Exactly. In the exactly. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So Singh is the leader of the Derasaka Sada sect or something like that, which is popular among a vast rural area of northern India. Outside of this area, he's earned the nickname the Guru of Bling, though, for his ostentatious <laughs> dress and numerous Bollywood film it's credits. Great nickname. <laughs> no, it is. It is. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pissed that it's taken. Um, I, I love this, too. On his Twitter profile, he bills himself as a, quote, saint, that's his lead, saint, philanthropist, sportsman, actor, singer, movie director, <laughs> lyricist, and autobiographer. <laughs> End quote. 
And in a court outside of New Delhi, a judge added rapist to that resume. I'm not sure if it's on Twitter yet. Though. Lyricist and me. I'm also I am me. also me, yes. He sounds kind of like Kim Jong-un. With Doesn't that. he? Sportsman, actor. He's a lot of stuff. <laughs> and unless you think that whole actor, movie director thing is just fluff, he has made several action movies starring himself that I... Cannot find in English for the life of me. Otherwise, <laughs> you would all already be familiar with his work. Yeah, right, right. Sounds a lot like Kim Jong-un. Yeah. It might be Kim Jong-un. <laughs> Could be. Um, He's a rapist. I, I should mention that this story represents a huge problem in India, right? Okay, so beyond the 38 dead people in the burned down gas stations and shit. So for anybody who maybe watched Dash Avatar and thought, hey, this religion doesn't seem too bad, it's worth pointing out how revered these gurus are. It is almost impossible for the government to convict them of anything, no matter what the evidence. And when they do manage to do it, peasant riots fill the streets and start blowing shit up. Yeah, these guys are basically living, raping statues of Robert E. Lee, which <laughs> coincidentally, by the way, is what my new horror movie is about. No titles yet, but feel free to write in. Yeah, no, it'll be good. Um, it's also <laughs> worth noting that Singh wasn't exactly a model citizen leading up to this either. He's been accused of all manner of abuse against his followers, including an ongoing investigation into allegations that he convinced 400 of his male followers to undergo castration as if to offer me a coup de grace at the end of this paragraph. <laughs> totally get the skill saw blade. Totally get it. <laughs> all coming together. Or That's a apart. gruesome cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> Give it a couple years. And in calling the kettle homophobic news tonight, D. James Kennedy Ministries, also known as Coral Ridge Ministries, has filed a religious discrimination lawsuit against the SPLC because of their stance against LGBT rights. So what has made this innocent group of God-loving folks the next victims of the evil regressive leftists over at the stupid poopy head libel center, you may ask? <laughs> so, uh, they oh. went to a strip club. Uh, they, they explained how the Disney crows actually employed black people. Uh, retweeted <laughs> Jesus and Mo. Uh, drew a picture of bacon once. <laughs> <laughs> Spoke out against the mutilation of their own genitals. <laughs> worse, worse. Worse even than that, gentlemen. Uh, Teabagged Reza Aslan. Wait. What are we listing right now? I can't get lost. No seconds on the clock. Okay. Sex dreams. Well, <laughs> okay. According to the I'm SPLC, done. the ministry's founder recommended as essential the virulent work of R.J. Rushdoony, who believed practicing gay should be executed. In a 1989 version of their newsletter, they ran photographs of children along with the tagline, Sex with Children, Homosexuals Say Yes. Do and, they? Yeah. <laughs> and they hired anti-gay activist Robert Knight as a senior writer and Washington, D.C. correspondent, which he used as an opportunity to publish on their website that, quote, Bible-believing Christians would quickly find themselves unwelcome in Barney Frank's new pansexual cross-dressing military, end quote. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, cross-dressing is pretty much meaningless when everyone's wearing uniforms <laughs> uniforms in the the d in bdu is never like a a ladies strapless cocktail dress that's not the type of dress they mean but more importantly barney frank's pansexual cross-dressing military was an amazing cirque du soleil and christians were more than welcome as that's far as true I know. that's true as far as i know all cirque du soleil is barney frank's pansexual cross-dressing military set to opera i've never heard and they're all great I, like I said. feel like we're just glazing over the fact that there's a guy named Rush Dooney. <laughs> <laughs>
And while this would seem to be damning at first, Coral Ministries has argued in their lawsuit that hating them for hating gays is hating Christians because that is Christianity. Kind of part of the whole deal. Well, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, and they, they've even yep. got specific anti-gay <laughs> passages of the Bible cited well, in go. their lawsuit, saying that their stance on LGBT issues is, quote, inextricably intertwined and connected, end quote, to their theology. Bigots always seem to think the why is going to matter, right? Why is that? <laughs> Nazism, wait for it. Wait for it. No, yeah. <laughs> they're just doing their jobs. It's an airtight defense throughout history. Absolutely. Exactly. And while the SBLC has called the lawsuit meritless, on its website, D. James Kennedy Ministry offers donors who give at least $50 an expose booklet about the Southern Poverty Law Center and two <laughs> DVDs about the supposed persecution of Christians. So, you know, until the SBLC comes out with a DVD, I say we're squaresies. I don't think it's hard to... <laughs> can't just be calling people racist. You gotta set a precedent. And speaking of those DVDs, in Tiger Kibble news tonight, a new survey from public policy polling indicates that Trump supporters might be dangerously divorced from reality, floating in an irrational hellscape of secret Muslims and Alex Jones rants. Might. Yeah. Might, because some of them could have just been confused by levers. <laughs> I didn't. I hang a fella named Chad. It didn't help. Seriously, pretty soon Alex Jones is going to start ranting about how Alex Jones is a secret Muslim who can't be trusted. It, except that and that. And that. he's just going to start spinning around and steaming until he explodes. But uh, you were talking about a survey or something? Well, I mean, I could be convinced to talk about Alex Jones spinning around and steaming until he explodes. So I, you know, I don't want to shift gears over him. quick here. But yeah. I'm going to give him a tip that he's There's... a secret Muslim. He's going to freak out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's evidence on the moon, Alex. Other side. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, according to these data, when asked which religious group faces the most discrimination in America, more than 50% of Trump voters answered Christians. Are you fucking kidding me? Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is not the first time this has come up on our show. Nope. No. Can, and I just want to ask, can the next people who do this survey take video of the people saying the word <laughs> Christians? Because one... <laughs> We deserve to know who these people are and avoid them. And two, I, I want to make sure we don't have like a 50% margin error for ironic sarcasm in this study. Just like, oh, <laughs> fucking Christians, man. Christians. All right. Christians. No, don't. Uh. <laughs> We're going to get that video. It's just a bunch of hipsters looking like fucking riverboat casino dealers <laughs> voting for Trump, supporting Christianity so they can be edgy later at their farm to table record store. Where the fuck <laughs> they go? Now, I, I should point out that this isn't some bizarre anomaly among Trump voters. This is actually consistent with a general Republican feel for this question. And while Democrats at least admit that Muslims face the most religious discrimination, they still tend to list Christians above Jews and Sikhs. So it's, it's not like there's some way to line these numbers up that isn't depressing. But to be fair, you don't see Starbucks tossing out Satan-colored cups for Rosh Hashanah. So <laughs> then maybe there's something to it. This question has an answer, by the way. It's Jews. 2015 hate crime statistics, 52% of religious-based hate crimes. So, doing um, a shitty job of ruling the world. That's all I'm saying. Answers, <laughs> choose. Choose. Uh, okay. Well, Like that first, trick Baba Brinkman did. You all fell for it. All right. First of all, I mean, maybe do a little better ruling the world, and that number goes down. 
But uh, the other thing, if there were more Muslims around, I get the feeling they'd take over the lead in hate crime victimhood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, right. I can't right. imagine more than they wouldn't twice the size of any other non-Christian minority. So that's not a super telling statistic. And if we go by hate crimes per capita, I believe Sikhs end up winning. It, it, it's actually it's a tough question to answer, but there's one answer you can definitely cross off. They got to get different hats. Whether Noah hates Jews and wants them to be victims of hate crimes, that's not. That's <laughs> Cross off and Buddhists. Buddhists and Buddhists, also. yeah. Also and should Buddhists. have made you yeah. raise your hand. I would have got you with my weird, <laughs> tricky riddle. <laughs> oh, by the way, it's also <laughs> worth reminding you that although the y-axis on this survey is who people voted for in 2016, the data were collected this month in August. So this persecution fetish hasn't been abated by the Trinity Lutheran decision, the Muslim ban, the Johnson Amendment executive order, the soft pedaled and then retracted Nazi condemnation or the transmilitary ban. I, I, so I guess they plan to just keep dragging that fucking cross behind him until he makes good on his promise to force business owners to say Merry Christmas. <laughs> I wonder what that would be like. That would be like. That would be like. Hi, welcome to Shopping Smart Merry Christmas. Uh, it's June. Yeah, no, I know. Executive order. What are you going to do, right? Yeah, uh, I guess so. Um, wh Where's your bathroom? I'm actually just here for the... Oh, uh, it's right around the corner and to the left. And uh, first, can I Thanks. see your penis? Oh, Jesus, really? I, I'm just doing my job, man. Okay. All yeah. right. That is technically a penis. Okay, great. Thanks. Yeah, sure. Didn't need the technically part. Okay, can you point me to the tiki torches, by the way, while I'm in here? I figure I should. Uh, they're on the end of every aisle with the polo shirts and the khakis. Great. Great. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And with that terrifying image in your head, we're going to take a quick break for a word from this week's second sponsor, Bombfell. Has this ever happened to you? Anna, have you seen my penguin pants? <laughs> then why not, not try Bombfell? It takes all the hassle out of shopping, providing an easier way for men to get better clothes. When you sign up, you pay $0 because there are no fees to work with them, and you only pay for the clothes you keep. Bombfell is the only service that can make that claim. That's right, Noah. Why, why are you naked, Eli? Because I should have used Bombfell. Boy, should you have. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I use their service, and I love how easy it was to personalize it to my tastes. Every piece was handpicked by my stylist. It's the most simple, straightforward service around. That's right, Noah. Why are you wearing a suit of armor? Oh, that's because I'm terrible at picking out clothes. So instead of using a personal stylist, I had to trust my own instincts. If I'd used Bombfell, however, I could have used their easy four-step process and got great-looking clothes for a great price. But instead, I need the help of a welder to pee now. That sounds terrible, Heath. When I got my shipment from Bombfell, it was filled with great selections of high-quality name-brand stuff. I got to try it all on and only keep what I liked, which was pretty much everything as it turned out. Uh, I don't know, Noah. It sounds expensive. What with... All these indecent exposure fines I racked up on the way over here. Not at all, Eli. Not only does it cost a whopping zero bucks to get started, but we worked out a deal with Bombfell that gets our listeners $25 off their first purchase just by going to bombfell.com slash scathing. That's bombfell, B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com slash scathing. Okay, but what about flexibility? Because that's the kind of thing that doesn't seem as important until you're 
in a suit of armor? That's a great question. Bombfell is completely flexible, Heath. You can receive clothes once a month, two months, or three months, and you can pause or cancel anytime you like. Okay, well, that sounds straightforward and easy. It is. Just go to bombfell.com slash scathing and get $25 off your first purchase today. Bombfell, open and close. You guys think I should get this frozen off or something? Yep. I thought that was yep. your penis. It is Either way. not. Whatever it that is. Is not. <laughs> Thank you, us. And in the best revenge is served nine years old news tonight. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. New Jersey Reverend Kevin Gugliotta, who, aside from having the most New Jersey name in the history of the fucking universe, has a peculiar way at getting back at God for his gambling losses. Namely, okay. collecting and distributing child pornography. Uh, so he's like, you look at a guy going, you didn't cover the spread, God, and now neither will I. Exactly. And so if, if God made him win, the Reverend was just going to Collect the child porn, only collecting, no distributing. Get that shit off the streets. <laughs> so this is God's fault all the way. Obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this story gets so good. According to the Seattle Times, Gugliotta had previously been suspended from the ministry in 2003 for allegedly molesting a teenage boy in the 1980s. But because the incident occurred when he was still a layman and before he entered the priesthood, the Archdiocese of Newark ruled that he could not be punished and quietly reinstated him in 2004. Reinstated. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was a Russian spy before he took office. It's cool. That was, that was <laughs> before. Why are you bringing up old shit? That was before. So on to the revenge in question. According to the Seattle Times, again, quote, pretrial records show the 55-year-old Gugliotta told probation officers he felt God was attacking him when he lost poker tournaments and games and got revenge <laughs> by collecting the porn. <laughs> Well, no way, but the, but it was the fact that it was poker fucks up my spread joke. There's no sp uh, um, okay. Wait, wait. I'm gonna go go back. Oh yeah, God, I'll show you a seven and a five offsuit. <laughs> Breed them and weep, motherfuckers. Oh, you are a treasure, Heath. You are the golden goose. You're my sun and stars. I don't say it enough. Thank you. Thank you. It continues. Quote. <laughs> that was his reason. Defense attorney James Sweat said. He's not happy. That's how he felt, as the judge indicated. There are other ways to handle issues and handle anger. And quote. Well, there are, though. True, He's true right. Story. True story. Oh, yeah. I, be I bet his legal analysis podcast has way easier questions at the end. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on who he's asking. Oh, that's a shot at right. Thomas, by the way. Exactly. And despite what I wrote in my script that <laughs> Noah deleted and replaced with this, I agree collecting and distributing child porn is a bad way to handle your anger. Weird. I don't edit your diatribes, but fine. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and finally tonight from the you boat races file a group of prep school kids in Atlanta, Georgia did pretty much exactly what you might guess they'd do based on the information I've given you so far. Uh, <laughs> Anti-Semitic drinking game. <laughs> that is exactly correct. Yeah, yeah. You boat race crushed it. So <laughs> acting on the advice of uh, apparently their good friend, 1985 James Spader, they all decided <laughs> to play a game of beer pong, but with a Jews versus Nazis theme. Mm. And yes, 
That means the cups were in fact arranged in the shape of a Star of David on one side and, you guessed it, a swastika on the uh, other side. No, oh, I'm going to go go out on a limb here and say, that sounds dumb. Well, I mean, <laughs> there are much more brutal ways to exemplify the theme, though. So, you know, partial credit. Like, Is it? I mean, like, not bad for an anti-Semitic drinking game, okay. at least. I would <laughs> like to know what would be bad. No, you wouldn't. You would not. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what that would be like. What that would be like. What that would be. Like. Nope. No. <laughs> all right. So uh, this all came to light when these uh, stupid fucking kids from Atlanta, Georgia, said to get some video of their Holocaust-themed drinking game and post it on social media. Uh, gonna go and, out on a limb again. Say that's dumber than the just playing the game part. Yeah. There you the go. Video. Yes. Right. So the uh, the important takeaway here is the extremely anti-Semitic nature of the uh, cup geometry. Right? Obviously, a Star of David shape is going to have more clustered cups yep. with some standard beer pong triangles, which is an easier target. Whereas the swastika is made of isolated single lines at right angles with way more internal gap space. So, offensive. And... I sure hope a math teacher was there to point this all out when the school handed out punishments because I, what the fuck? You know, I mean, I can try to pretend that this isn't the thing that most offended me about the story. I could probably even be convincing when I pretend the order of my outrage was first historical and then geometric. Don't. Just no, I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep, I'm gonna keep all going. Right. I'm gonna keep going. It was geometry. Now, that means <laughs> that there was a moment where they were all set up and one guy saw and noticed what you noticed and was like, I, I don't want to be a Jew. I don't care. <laughs> you guys get to be the Nazis and I've got to be a Jew? That's not fair. He might not have noticed, but that probably happened either way, yeah. And in that moment, he understood the pain and suffering of the Holocaust. <laughs> okay, well, uh, all that being said, I think it's important that we stay fair and balanced. So let's not forget that half the kids in the game were anti-Nazi and half were pro-Nazi. <laughs> more importantly, both sides were uh, throwing stuff and inciting conflict. <laughs> Lots of blame on both sides of the table. Well, in that case, it's important yeah. to remember. I would think. So. Yeah, but uh, regardless of who's at fault here, this beer pong thing was terribly conceived. So the world's going to need some better designed games for overprivileged bigots in Atlanta, <laughs> Georgia, and that's why we're here Is ultimately. It? So let's go ahead and put 30 seconds on the clock. Ideas for Nazi game night. Go. All right. But on the record, up until now, I was convinced we were here for some other reason. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, but we switched it back to Palestine again. <laughs> uh, settlers of Poland. Po Poland. Catan. Po Catan. Yeah, settlers of Catan. Po settlers of Poland. <laughs> This part right, of the show uh, happened before I was here. <laughs> <laughs> what about Nazi Yahtzee? Oh, of course. That rhymes. Of course. Uh, not Nazi Manji. as like a tagline. Nazi Manji. Nazi, not Nazi Manji. Neoclassic concentration. Oh, God. Uh, Treblinka Pursuit. That doesn't work. Um, Auschwitz and Wagers. Uh, Jumanji. <laughs> Thought of that joke myself. Okay. Pretty great, right? Jumanji. Because right. it's the game and it's also Jews involved. It's pretty great. I'm good. <laughs> What about uh, Mengele's operation? <laughs> uh, ticket to Reich. Ooh, I like that. Uh, don't wake Addy. 
Adolf Hitler, who oh. was the head <laughs> of the Nazis. Probably was called Addie for short. We don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, I go more. How about uh, the Crystal Knocked Out game? <laughs> that night it was cool to punch and, Nazis. Yeah, well, that, no, it was, yeah. you out, definitely and that night you now could punch that Nazis. Heath has brought the movement together with reference to Nazi punching that everyone can condemn together. We're going to bring exactly. the headlines to a close. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Jumanji, I brought the joke. Everything Eli says that's <laughs> funny, that was made probably. And when we come likely. back, the Book of Mormon will stubbornly refuse to end I'm Heath Enright. We just wanted to take a moment to tell you how lost we'd be without our partner and friend, No Illusions. Mm -hmm. Aw, you guys didn't have to do that. Oh, but we do, Noah. See, Noah not only writes and records our show along with us, he also manages all our interviews, does our banking, and time cuts our show for quality down to the second. Well, technically, much smaller than just the... The second, but but seriously, we're, we're a which team. is why today's sponsor, PolicyGenius.com, is so important. Policy what? PolicyGenius.com. It's the place to go learn about life insurance, compare quotes from America's top providers, and save up to forty percent on your policy. It sounds crazy, but that's never existed before. Because you know who wants to hear the Elia tribe? Fucking nobody. That's who. Ooh, today I'm mad at Steve. Go fuck yourself because he said blah blah blah. People like your blog. Eli. My blog has three listeners and two are my mom. That is true. Well, but she seems to really like it. But I, I don't see what any of this has to do PolicyGenius.com, with this. simple, user-friendly website, helps you work out exactly which policy is right for you and finds you the best price. So when you die, people don't have to figure out how to use Audacity at your wake. There's are lots of online tutorials takes just five minutes to apply for a quote five minutes about 400 times the amount of time it would take someone to read a resume that contains bartender podcaster and nothing else i sold bags of sand also and i sold magic thumbs so if you've been putting off life insurance if you're 30 and your entire career is based around the passion and hard work of someone who can't eat food anymore or you want to make sure the insurance you have is right for you Check out policygenius.com today or hint heavily at it in an ad that they should do it. I eat food. You can save up to 40% just by comparing policies. Quotes are free. There's no sales pressure and there's zero hassle. And you don't end up as a 37-year-old bartender telling people about how you used to have a, a podcast. Or a magician of any kind just any kind of magician, if you could not end up that. I, I, that I feel a, like you guys are trying to... PolicyGenius.com. It's life insurance for the 21st century. Because when Noah dies, so will our dreams. We sure will. We sure will. Last time we cracked open the Book of Mormon, we radically underestimated the insanity we were about to encounter, and our ignorance forced us to split things up and subject you to twice as much Book of Mormon commentary as you bargained for. But this time, we knew what we were getting into, and we've come prepared to knock out our second installment of the ceaseless Book of Alma. Yeah, I don't want to move too slowly. Let's fire through this. There's still the Bhagavad Gita to tackle. Oh. we got to finish this. <laughs> that is not next. 
In five Ugh. years, our holy babble segment is just going to be us reading and making fun of Ken Ham's tweets. So we can do that instead of this. Let's do that right now. Yeah. Audience poll. Let votes. us know what you think. All votes. And of course, to do this right, we're going to need the help of my lovely wife, Lucinda. Lucinda, welcome back. Nothing says welcome quite like 22 chapters of Alma. Ain't that Thanks. right. Yeah. Now, if you'll recall, when we last left off, we had diverted from the story of Alma to tell the story of Mosiah's three sons evangelizing to the Lamanites. Uh, we'd gotten through the first son's story, and we were just about to learn what happened to the other two, Aaron and Molokai. And if you need a clear indicator of how much Joey's just given up on his proper nouns, the name of the Lamanite city Aaron goes to is Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, like, at least do New Jerusalem. That's just lazy. <laughs> I'm sure he's going to get to, like, the Shmaz, like, Shmerusalem and like. I wouldn't be surprised one bit. Yeah, so he teams back up with Maloki, Malarkey, whatever. He gets thrown in prison and gets rescued by Ammon and Lamoni, Lomani, Lamani. And then they all formed Mormon Voltron and they spread pre Jesus throughout the land. There you go. <laughs> and there's this much. amazing line at the end of this chapter where it says, quote, And it came to pass that he did teach them all things concerning things pertaining to righteousness. End quote. <laughs> uh, I hate this book. So good. Got all the things concerning things out of the way. That was good. Meanwhile, Aaron wanders off to convert uh, Lamanai's dad, the head king. He was the boss battle of two chapters ago. Yes. yes. Yeah. He flashed red and everything. Right. He sped right. up after you hit him once. You had to hit him three. <laughs> he had to resurrect. The whole thing. Um, and of course, head king has just been dying to turn Christian ever since Ammon kicked his ass. So we get a whole chapter of Aaron explaining Christian minutia to him. Yeah, and what we're reading, I think, is Joey's instruction manual for Mormonizing them engines. Yep. I believe that's what. Right, but this appears to just be, but are you for real, though? Yeah, man, for yep. real. Great. <laughs> I'm a Christian now. That's how it works, yeah. <laughs> well, and then we get a long, stupid geography lesson for the rest of that book. Oh, God. Yeah, and it's it's here that we learn that the northern area is called Desolation, uh. and the southern part is called Bountiful, which is... Mormon for fuck Canada, I think. <laughs> uh, fun fact for the white shirts, if they ever come to your door, none of this super boring geography at the end of this chapter makes sense unless it's South America and has <laughs> exactly. nothing to do with where the rest of the book is supposed to be. But <laughs> yeah, right. it, if you ever want to read some Mormon gymnastics, check out the apologetics for this chapter. It is good times. <laughs> I mean, what is a river but an ocean that, that's not... <laughs> Fuck. Harem of blonde tweens. Come back. <laughs> we have good things. So so meanwhile, the king of all the Lamanites made Mormonism legal. So Ammon and Aaron and Omner and Hemni broke out their finest starched white shirts and biked their way through the land with impunity. <laughs> the rules are they weren't allowed to lay their hands on them, bind them, Cast them into prison. Kind of seems like binding. Just throwing that out there. Spit on them. <laughs> smite them. Cast them out of their synagogues. Scourge them. Seems oddly specific. Sitting as they said, <laughs> smiting earlier. Cast stones at them. That seems like a rule that got made up because of someone's behavior. Or <laughs> prevent them from going to their homes, temples, or sanctuaries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the ancient Jewish Aztecs weren't allowed to do that to them. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there was an ancient Mormon Andrew just just at a puzzle in a thunderstorm staff meeting going, yeah, man, I guess, yeah, you can 
jerk off near their horses. This is weird, though. <laughs> you guys ask me weird questions. I have a weird job. Right, so pretty much everybody becomes Mormon except those damn Amalekites and Amulonites. <sighs> you know, the followers of Amulon, the Amulonites. <laughs> mm. so to be fair, though, he gets one Amalekite. One, yeah, well, right. one guy <laughs> like, sure. Whatever. Can we be done talking? <laughs> Whatever. I don't care. Um, but since all the Lamanites were so Mormon, they couldn't go on calling themselves Lamanites, so they took a new name. You guys ready for the new name? Uh, <laughs> this is the best one. It's the best so far. <laughs> yes, yes. The Anti-Nephi-Lehi's. Let me wrong. say that again. The Anti-Nephi-Lehi's. It's like letting the kid name your pet. Yes, right. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Just at the vet. So, Mr. Sparkle Pants Fluffers McPherson needs a $9,000 operation or, or kill it. Kill my kid's dog, please. Kill my kid's dog. It's fine. And this is why you get the good pet insurance, people. <laughs> or, or kill your kid's dog, one or the other, yeah. So anyway, the bad people can't have a bunch of good people running around fucking up their complexions. So naturally, the unconverted Lamanites team up and make war on the anti-Nephi-Lehi's. <laughs> Catch <him. laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it really, it just, it, after you hear it a couple of times, it sounds Jeez. great. Also, King dies. Guess who's the new king of the anti-Nephi-Lehi's? <sighs> if you guessed his name was anti-Nephi-Lehi, you get it. <laughs> You're catching on. God, fuck. And the people who were against him? Oh, what for the sake of my sanity, please don't. <laughs> the anti-anti-Nephi-Lehi's. At two, Lucinda. You know I love chants. Anti-anti-Nephi-Lehi's. Anti-anti-Nephi-Lehi's. They asked the king. So they asked the king. wild over here. So they asked the king, hey, what should we be doing uh, about all these attacking Lamanites? And the king's answer is bury our swords and out-Christian them to death, which is exactly what they do. Sure. So the Lamanites killed a thousand and five of them. Exactly. But then they were like, well, shit, if you're not going to war back, this is no fun. And they just left. Yeah. Well, not just that. A few of the Lamanites are like, okay, that... uh." That dying trick is awesome. I don't know. <laughs> right. It yeah. works. Uh, so then we get chapter 25 where the Lamanites just go and kill all the side characters. Yes. Like, yep. like a lazy George R. R. Martin. So we <laughs> never have to find out what happened to them. Just, uh, Joe, I was wondering, when are you going to go back to, they died. They all uh, got killed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then we get a ridiculously long, how awesome is being Mormon sermon from Ammon here. And, and the sermon is unremarkable, except for the moment where Aaron cuts in to go, oh, fuck, man. Can you just shut up for a second? <laughs> yeah. Aaron is like, hey, man, it sure sounds like you're bragging about how awesome you are at killing Lamanites. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Aaron's like, no, 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 no. God is great at killing Lamanites with me as his vessel. It's different. <laughs> it's totally different. And if I had to sum up the sermon in a sentence, and I actually kind of do, it would have to be those last few chapters were great. Yes. <laughs> and I just got to point this out. He ends the chapter with, quote, and his bowels of mercy are over all the earth, end quote. <laughs> God should not have had Indian food. <laughs> God had to stop on the Palisades Parkway three times. It was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that's just nasty. Delicious. 
But but since <laughs> but since we've gone a few warless chapters here, the Lamanites show back up to kill the anti-Nephi Lehi's. So Ammon and his brothers sneak them <laughs> off to safety in the land of the Nephites. Yeah. So now they're the anti-Nephi Lehi's <laughs> of Nephi. All of this. Yes. <laughs> Jesus. Like uh, yeah. Really, really hoping for some kind of miracle with the whole <laughs> nonviolent resistance thing we we're doing. So let me know how that works out, guys. <laughs> right. So the Nephites find a spot for all of the anti-Nephi Lehi's up near Bountiful and promise to kill anybody who tries to fuck with them. <laughs> this land, by the way, uh-huh, is uh-huh. called Jershan. <laughs> Jershan. The names just keep coming. I hate this fucking book. And of course, this this decision leads to a tremendous battle, the likes of which hasn't appeared yet in this book. <laughs> and the description of this battle is downright Trumpy and fucking yeah. tremendous battle. Nobody's ever seen a battle like this. The best battle. So many bodies. Ever. I don't even want to go into. <laughs> yeah, but all the dead white people made it look like only six guys died. <laughs> so like the background, but it's not fair. Right, so tens of thousands of Lamanites were slain and scattered abroad. Yeah. You might scatter in these bodies a little bit more. <laughs> They're kind of all in the same field at this point, aren't they? It kind of looks like we really weren't working the uh, using the space. <laughs> a tremendous amount of this chapter is talking about heaps of bodies, which even in like a big battle sense, right? Seems because weird, yeah, right? right? You're not weird. climbing up on eleven dead bodies to continue the fight, Just, right? You would oh, have to, yeah. Man, got shot with an arrow. Fuck. All right, I'm gonna go lie on top of Alan and Steve. <laughs> That's a good place to die. Are you guys Pile dead? Us up. Yeah. Just pretend we're dead. <laughs> <laughs> then, then we get a few, and that's what they get for being so black chapters, and thus ends the 15th year of the reign of judges. Yeah. So all is well for a couple of years here. Then uh, the Antichrist shows up, and his name is Cory Hor. Cory Hor. Cory Hor. Cory Hor. Sure. And do you know what? To Cory Hor's credit. <laughs> I read his blog. The dude makes some solid points. <laughs> yeah, I was liking him even before he started leading people into many whoredoms and nihilism. Yeah, yeah, but so, but he gets okay. a little too powerful. So they drag him before Alma where he dares to be an open atheist oh. and even has the audacity to demand evidence. So so Alma offers up, you know, what about trees? There's your sign, bitch, for a few verses. And, and then has God strike <laughs> Corey Hoard dumb. Exactly. Yeah. Which, to be fair, is an odd lead <laughs> If you've got, you know, muting power in the chamber, like, okay, how about fucking the Kalam cosmological? No? Okay, silencio. Miracles. <laughs> well, to, to his credit, Corey was like, okay, I'm convinced. Can you unmute me yeah. now so I don't have to write this request on well, paper? Well, and then Elma doesn't. Yeah. Corey has this whole thing about how the devil appeared to him as an angel and made him do all of this shit. And Elma's like, yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> he, he literally does the like, what? what? What's that about you being wrong? Can't hear you. Were you, <laughs> yeah. you muted? I can't said? hear. God's just giving him the reverse silent treatment through the bathroom door. No, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, as a coda to this fucked up story, the mute atheist goes off begging for food until he's stomped to death by uh. some assholes called the Zoramites. <laughs> right. And, and they try to save this at the end. Is It's like, okay, wait, uh, 
the the moral of the story is that the the devil is a not a good it's the de- it's a good support fuck you uh, <laughs> whatever I said before I don't know. Well, and speaking of the Zoramites, by the way, apparently they too need some Jesus. So Alma gathers together all the named characters from this chapter um, to go give it to them. Yeah. It's like the world's most boring version of the Expendables. (laughs) (laughs) So they get to Zoram and damn if these people don't pray to the fact that Jesus will never exist. They they actually go to one of their churches and and in the prayer, it's like, and we all know there will never be a Jesus. Amen. (laughs) I don't know. I kind of like this you know, religion by exclusion thing. Like, also, you are not a cat god. (laughs) You are not three llamas in an overcoat. (laughs) Or four um, llamas in an overcoat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I feel like the further you get into this chapter, the more obvious it is that Zoramites are Joey's stand-in for the Jews. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he says, quote, Yea, he saw that their hearts were set upon gold and upon silver and upon all manner of fine goods, end quote. Pretty obvious. I'm just... Yeah. There you go. All right. Oh, Zoramites. <laughs> also, they call themselves the chosen people. Yes. They literally they use that phrase. All we needed was for Alma to offer them some bacon and for them to say no. <laughs> yeah, right. Ask him to fix the thermostat. Yeah. So Alma <laughs> prays that they'll stop being so Jewish. And God grants his wish. He also makes them... Not eat, need to eat or drink anymore, which was a weird choice. Is it? You've been to a restaurant with me. Why would you think that's a weird choice <laughs> when God is no, controlling Jesus? Solid, solid point. Is it too late to be a Mormon? I've said <laughs> some shit at this point. So, so Alma and the gang go forth to preach the word of pre-Jesus, but apparently all their synagogues are like the pretentious places Eli likes to eat. So they turn them away for not wearing fancy enough clothes. Yeah. Is it so much to ask that you have a black and gray dining bonnet, Lucinda? (laughs) (laughs) They go with everything. And and since we all know how awesome Joey is at tree analogies, he goes back to that well one more time. Yeah. We get a little uh, just the tip of the faith here. I was like, I'll hold still and you you, you just let a little faith into your heart. You just back (laughs) right into faith. I'll keep it here. You back in faith. Slow. Just slow. And Alma bolsters his teachings with the words of the wise old prophets he just made up, Zenos and Zenoc, who coincidentally were talking about the same shit Alma was just saying about the fucking tree. <laughs> right? Crazy. If only Shmim Shmam was here to tell you how right I am. The great. Wait. Who? You know, guy I just said, prophet, who's Did... not in any of the Bibles. Um, I... Zenos? Him, that one. That, that's the guy. <laughs> Z-Dog. <laughs> so so Alma gets done with his multi multi chapter sermon and then Amulek pops on stage to do mop up duty for forty one verses uh, here. Uh, making me increasingly happy. I gave him the voice I did in Mormon Beast Theater. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. And and his sermon could be summed up as uh, well, if there wasn't gonna be a Jesus, why would we be calling the years uh BC? <laughs> yeah, we get that and some Jesus logistics. Yeah, perfectly makes sense. And some more. Just try the, the tip of the Jesus just for a second, just to see how it feels. I thought Joe was going to start vague booking about his ex any second. <laughs> and the chapter ends with, and I'm serious about this, if you do good work, someday you'll get to die. 
Again, I am sold on this Mormon thing, guys. <laughs> sold hard. So they get done preaching and they leave. But when all of the other Zeramites um, hear what they've been saying about pre-Jesus, they get pissed off and start persecuting the converts. Yeah. And they do it with like magic mind reading powers. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Secret poll. Eyes closed. Who here believes in Jesus now? And get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, the, the Zoramites kick out all the people that got infected with Mormonism, so they go to live with the anti-Nephi Lehi's in Jershon, <laughs> south of Bountiful. Those are all words that make sense sure. together. So like you're describing a Swedish woman like shopping for dishwashing liquid. <laughs> Not English. So a war breaks out, and that makes Alma all sad, so he gathers his sons together to bore the fuck out of them for the next three chapters. <sighs> Like your dad describing his sex life to you after Thanksgiving dinner. It's a lot. <laughs> well, like well some dads. Am yeah. I? He's got some interesting <laughs> shit going on now. Yeah. yeah okay, so we... Sh <laughs> Everything's a sex swing now. <laughs> yeah, so we start with his son, Helaman, to whom he basically recounts the angel part from earlier. He also gets the part wrong here. He says that he was dumb for three days when in Messiah he was dumb for two. Yeah. Just a little thing, but the made-up character in the hat-narrated book can't keep how long he was cursed for straight. <laughs> and, and this is also where he passes the plates of brass off to Hellman uh, so we can establish our next narrator. Yeah. Yeah, he gets the ancient compass thingy which like ha it hasn't been used in years it's pretty much the family gun at this point right do most families have a gun is that a thing oh sorry or yamaka uh <laughs> okay. secret gold whatever makes sense to you all right sure secret gold all right. and, <laughs> and that leads us into yet another this book you're reading is super important discussion yeah. So important that he spends a paragraph explaining how to shine the damn plates. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, and I'm pretty sure this is where we meet Joey's magical hat rock, which the Lord has entrusted to his servant, Gazelim, <laughs> in case nobody can read these plates later. I got to say, for Joey, Gazelim is pretty good. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's actually pretty good. He also kind of spoils the ending of the book. He tells Helen, he's like, look, all these motherfuckers are going to die by the end of this. But don't tell them that, <laughs> you know, they'll lose their shit. Maybe what the stone sees, we just keep between you and me. I mean, you can, like, snap stone to me, but that's it. We're keeping <laughs> keep it tight. Well, then we enter this weird, hey, you guys remember that magic compass thing? Me too. Part of the Yeah, book. yeah. Well, see, this is what it looks like when Joey thinks he's being clever. He's saying, hey, you know, that was a compass, but this book is a lot like a compass too, isn't it? <laughs> So that takes care of Helaman. Uh, so now it's time for him to bestow some fatherly advice on Shiblon. Yes. <laughs> Shiblon. And, and then, and this speech opens with, I'm so proud of how good you are at getting tortured for your religion, son. Good boy. <laughs> <laughs> and this section is total bullshit because uh, Shiba Inu doesn't get any plates or compasses or nothing. <laughs> right. And that's going to do it for Shiblon. Uh, but now it's time to spend four fucking chapters with Alma talking to his third son, Corianton. <laughs> yeah, you could just tell he just decides when to end the name sort of randomly. Corianton. Just stop it. Yeah. Uh, and the good news is this is the last bit we're going to cover tonight, these four Thank chapters. Ah, uh, yes. Youngest child syndrome, even in holy books. Yep. <laughs> yep. And he opens with, so 
You're not as good as your brothers, are you? Right, right on cue. Right yep. on cue. <laughs> yeah, and that's immediately followed by, and you really shouldn't have run around with that skank, Isabel. <laughs> and your atheism is just a phase. Just <laughs> <fucking> <laughs> Anywhere else get the feeling Joe's translator came in like with his fly unzipped looking ruffled that day? <laughs> <laughs> and if you've been sitting here wondering, so how's this resurrection thing going to play out? No worries. This book has you covered, guys. Uh, 20 bucks says that it goes down once you pee. <laughs> <laughs> and the explanation just stumbles out into the next chapter with Alma going, okay, that didn't really make much sense. <laughs> yes! Let me dig into this <laughs> yes! restoration thing he a bit. starts the chapter out going, all right, I kind of fucked that one up. Let me yeah. try that again. <laughs> but mostly, he just spends the chapter talking about what a dickhole he was. Yeah. <laughs> See, the thing about Jesus is, by the way, everyone hates you and you chew with your mouth open. He loves everyone. <laughs> See? And then we mercifully get chapter 42, our last for the night, which starts off with, okay, I know the eternal misery thing makes our God seem like the bad guy. Let me back up. <laughs> Let yeah. me explain myself. <laughs> he literally says, I perceive there is somewhat more which doth worry your mind. <laughs> so this is the first historical incident of, now hear me out. Yeah, wait, wait. Let me finish. It's states' rights is the reason. <laughs> oh, and in a perfect demonstration that apologists haven't come up with anything new in at least, oh, 183 years, he gives us the free will argument. He does. And, and in case that doesn't do it, he offers up the argument from those motherfuckers had it coming. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and there's a new one on me, at least, in here. The argument from how could God forgive you if you don't sin? Yeah. <laughs> right. A new one. And, and then he closes <laughs> it by reminding his kid not to be evil. Yep. And the end. that's the cliff we're going to leave you hanging on until next time, I guess. We'll be polishing off this miserable fucking Alma stuff in three weeks. But between now and then, everything we read is going to seem good. Anyone got a suicide note? Or? <laughs> me! Me! You Hands should, know. You should oh, know better than that. Before we wrap things up tonight, I want to remind everybody about the Foundation Beyond Belief fundraiser that I talked about in the diatribe. Not only will it help the flooding victims, but it'll also help combat that stereotype about atheists not being charitable. You'll find a link in the show notes on our Facebook page and on our Twitter feed. Give what you can. Also, we've got a live show coming up in Austin at the end of next month. A portion of the profits from that show will also go towards disaster relief. You'll find links to buy tickets in the show notes, too. Anyway, that's all the blast we've got for you tonight, but we'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show, The Skeptocrat, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Monday, an even newer episode of our sister show's Hot Friend God Awful Movies at 7 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday, and a so new it's almost prenatal episode of our half-sister show Citation Need at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, this would be more of an epis than an episode if I neglected to thank Heath Enright for writing dick jokes on his birthday to keep this operation rolling ahead. I need to thank Eli Bosnick in advance for writing dick jokes on his birthday instead of other things he may have hinted at. And I need to thank the lovely and talented Lucinda Lusions for a lot of stuff, some of which also involves dicks and birthdays, but most of which doesn't. I also want to thank John and Logan from the Wayward Willis podcast for providing this week's Farnsworth quote. If you're looking to broaden your blend of atheist podcast voices, you'll find their show linked on the show notes as well. But most of all, of course, I want to thank this week's most beneficent bipeds, 
Sean, Eric, Gary, Joel, the Gek, Bree, Farron, Jordan, Justin, Sohan, Troy, and Jamie. Sean, Eric, Gary, and Joel, who are so virile they take more energy to decouple than quarks. The Gek, Bree, Farron, and Jordan, whose thoughts carry so much weight their opinions cause tides. And Justin, Sohan, Troy, and Jamie, who are so noble, helium, neon, argon, krypton, xenon, and radon just got demoted to the mildly distinguished gases. Together, this dozen deliciously dreamy disbelievers delivered a damn daunting directive to the deceitful douche-drinking deviants that duped the defenseless with dogmatic damnation doctrine this week by giving us money. Not everybody has the ability to intimidate douche drinkers that it takes to give us money, but if you do this week, you're probably better off sending it to the victims of Hurricane Harvey. Seriously, they they need it more than we do. Again, link in the show notes. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres, and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com. One more time. One more time. Uno más. Uh, nope. One more time. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. <clears throat> the preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved.